Welcome to Better Sex. I'm your host, Matthew Chambers. Each episode, I aim to have conversations with culturally and spiritually engaging guests. Some you'll know, and some you won't. Some you'll agree with, and some you won't. But hopefully all of us will come away challenged. Hopefully all of us will come away a little bit wiser. Hopefully we'll seek and find. Maybe a more empathetic view of humanity, or a more expansive view of spirituality, perhaps even a deeper view of how to navigate the life we've been given. I'm still learning my way around this whole podcast business, so please bear with me as I figure out microphones and sound and levels and making sure the Wi-Fi works properly the entire time. These conversations are absolutely worth it. I promise. I'm so thrilled to chat today with best-selling author Tish Oxenreiter. I connected with Tish years ago, just after she and her family moved back to the States from a stint in the nonprofit sector. At that point, she was running a space online called The Art of Simple and connecting with people through her poignant words all over the world. Over the years, her perspectives, stories, and journeys have been shared on and in media platforms big and small. You may have even encountered her on outlets like HGTV, Food Network, NPR, Real Simple, and The Washington Post. In addition to her incredibly popular books, she also shares weekly newsletters, and you can catch her regularly on her podcast, The Good List. When I glanced at the calendar and realized the season of Advent was approaching, I reached out to Tish to see if she'd be willing to join me and share some thoughts and heart, not just on the spiritual side of Advent, but even in how to navigate this season of hope and healing in the midst of such a tumultuous year. Turns out she also has just released a book on Advent, so this is perfect timing. I so appreciate her wisdom in approaching these days simply, humbly, and with an open heart. Whether you find yourself interested in the spiritual journey of Advent or not, I hope Tish's thoughts on embracing art and music and meditation as a part of the holiday spirit in this challenging year bring encouragement. We could all use some space to breathe and get ready for the season, so on the verge of Advent, please sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy Better Sex. Tish Oxenrider, thank you for being with me today. It's, it's really fun to hear your voice and see your face across Zoom, even though no one else will when this podcast goes live. Right, um, it, right. And we all hate Zoom now, so it's kind of one of those funny, like, yay for Zoom, but oh, Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I have been on Zoom meetings for work in the past, like pre-pandemic. Yeah, me too. But I did not really learn Zoom until my children used it for absolutely everything for distance learning. So <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. Now I, now I know all the things I was really avoiding knowing. That's right. That's right. It's such a part anyway. of our life now. That's right. Yeah. Uh, how are you guys? We're doing all right. Yeah, actually. Um, it's a good time of year here in Central Texas, weather-wise. I like the holidays coming up. I think we're all dying for them um, in the year of our Lord 2020. You know, um, it's been quite a season news-wise. <laughs> so, yeah, a little oh, bit. Doing all right today. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. And you guys, you... What you're like Austin area now? Mm-hmm. Is that we're, right? We're about 30 minutes north of Austin. So I grew up in Austin. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is my, like, my parents don't live too far kind of thing, but we haven't, we hadn't lived here in about a decade um, mm. before we moved back. So we had visited a lot, but hadn't really settled down here. So we live in a small town north of Austin. We wanted a small town because we really grew to love that when we lived in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, two of my two of my brothers were in Brooklyn at the beginning of COVID, and they are both now in Austin. Really? So, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what it is about Austin, but um, uh, yeah, everyone yeah. moves here. It seems like, and you know, it's fun to see, and there's some good things that come with it, but um, some of the negatives we try to avoid by living in the small town. We, we, I really like the idea of kind of a small enclave near a big city, so that you can yeah. get the things you need if you need it, but. Like my day to day is not very city ish at all. Mm-hmm. It's pretty quiet and sweet. And we like that. Yeah. Well, we, we definitely live in a small town ourselves. And so our escape is like Asheville, North Carolina. Like oh, if we well, really that's a good need, escape. it's a great escape. So what mm-hmm. I've done over the years is just made sure that I made friends with all the chefs in the city. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we know which wine shops and the butcher shops. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll like some days, if everything's especially intense, we're like, we need a Trader Joe's run. And so we'll, we'll make our Trader Joe's run. And yep, I get it. Oh, yeah. So good. Well, yeah. I, 
we have sort of followed each other on social for a very long time. Uh Um, All of those timelines tend to sort of disappear when somebody goes, well, how did you guys first connect? And I never know the answer to that question. Um, And, but what I've always appreciated about you is I feel like your voice um, through even the evolution of your own platform has always been really thoughtful. And um, I know that I'm probably not the target market for your audience necessarily. uh, But I think my wife was even the one that first introduced me to you uh, Mm -hmm. on Twitter way back in the day. And as we were heading toward um, to the advent season this year, I, and I, and I told you this, I, I was like, who can I bring on to talk about advent? And I was like, Tish always has really thoughtful things to say. And so I just Googled you. And I, then I realized you have a book. You, you literally, <laughs> as fate would have it, you literally are, are releasing a book this year, like right now, like it's coming. Is it out yet? Mm-hmm. It, it's out. It was the weirdest launch date for an Advent book. It came out September 1st, but we didn't talk about it much because who talks about Advent at the start of the school year? But yeah, <laughs> it came I out really early because they were concerned, rightly so, I think, about the delayed postal service, you know, that happened. Mm-hmm. And then um, just the election, just people would, yeah. you know, so they wanted to give a plenty of a buffer zone, which I think was smart. Well, so. Not only is it great timing uh, to talk to you about Advent, but it seems you've done some pretty significant research <laughs> over the last year, year or two on Advent. And I think it would be really lovely to um, speak toward this season. And um, just because it's been so, so noisy um, in just about every corner of our souls, um, not only this year, but in the last few years. And we haven't really known what to do, at least in the United States. Um, I, I don't know that we know what to do with our opinions or our perspectives or our fears or our doubts or our sadness. Um, and one of the things that I've seen this year, especially as the the pandemic continues, is this idea that it sort of forced us into this crash course of grief and we weren't ready for it. And, you know, so I think what we do like around here and this podcast is going out sort of um Uh, the week of Thanksgiving, but I'm watching people decorate for Christmas as early as they possibly can this year. And, and I, I look at that and I know we all kind of roll our eyes and we go into target and we're like, Oh my God, you like, it's not even Valentine's day and you've already got Christmas decorations (laughs) out or whatever, like whatever. But I look around and I think this year, especially, I think people sort of we put this tree up in our houses um, or we play the songs or um, we get the decorations out just because it gives us a fixed point of reference for something that's more hopeful than we really have in our, our current space. So um, I, I would love just to hear a little bit about your own journey the last little bit and kind of, even the inspiration for a book on Advent, like, like it's, I don't know too many people who sit out and go, you know, I think I'm going to write a book on Advent. Um, okay. And honestly, that it feels a little daunting to me because it's almost like trying to write a new Christmas carol. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, because I read somebody on Twitter this morning was like, I hate all the new Christmas songs. And, you know, we kind of look back and go, but that's already been done. And so I'm curious, yeah. like your, your journey in this space and what was it in, and, and why and and um, you know as you head into Advent, I I would love to know kind of what that journey has been like for you heading into this season in a very very tumultuous unique year. Yeah, you know, I mean, writing a book about Advent is quite a departure from my writing life so far. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. I in fact. Um, you know, the book before this was a travel memoir. And then hopefully my next <laughs> book, what I'm working on now is fiction. Like I'm one, I'm moving into fiction. So Advent seems like really? quite a weird mm-hmm. little detour before I kind of come back onto the path. But um, Advent to me, you know, I'll get into the backstory, but what it's meaning for me right now, because it's been this way since the beginning of the creation of Advent is that mm. it is scaffolding for time. Mm-hmm. And we all crave inwardly and outwardly a way to mark time. 
Mm -hmm. we've done this from the dawn of human history with our seasons, with our rituals, with our festivals, with our ways of just interacting as a family and with our communities. And so I think 2020 has been a year that we have craved that more than any of us in our lifetimes where day after day can feel the same when our usual routines and rituals have been paused or just thrown out the window, we want something to grasp for. And so, you know, if we can build a a makeshift or just sort of a simple scaffolding around a stone wall where the stones are wobbly and crumbling just to give it some support, we'll take it, you know? So I think that's why so many of us are craving the holidays and craving um, something to just mark the time. So that's my take on why 2020 has been such a good year for, I don't want to say good year, but a, a year for us inwardly understanding why we need these rituals and routines like we do. Because we haven't do had think, them. Do you think years like this, and we, I think a lot of us individually, and maybe in small communities, we might go through these tumultuous times, but it seems like in a year like this, where we're all simultaneously just in complete disarray, personally, emotionally, uh, societally, um, spiritually. Do you think that um, Advent for this year, even even maybe because I have audience members who aren't necessarily religious in any particular context, yep. it, it just we sort of looked forward to these things as sort of an anchor. Mm-hmm. An anchor and a kind of almost like a a um, bat signal for the world around us, you know, because mm. our connection with other people has been really cut off. And yeah. so there's something, you know, universal about the experience we've all had this year. Mm-hmm. Even if we, even if our day-to-day looks a little different, whether we have kids or not, or what kind of work we do or where we live, um, we've all experienced a shift and a change and yeah. we're less connected in person. And so we're kind of grasping for each other. And I think there's something also about Advent that's sort of like universally, it starts November 29th. And, you know, around the world, we can say, okay, now marks the time when we think about this. And I think that's what we're longing for as well, kind of a reach Mm. out to the world. Right. When you begin to put together your thoughts around Advent, what were some key markers of the season for you where, um, you know, and I know Advent for those who are listening, who might be completely unaware is marked by four different Sundays that lead up to Christmas day, which of course Christians historically celebrate as marking the birth of of Jesus Christ. So these four Sundays are all sort of marked um, as four different themes you know, and then you kind of follow those themes along the way. So for you, are there particular themes in these weeks that you look to that that speak to a place in you um, and kind of make you more alive as you look toward this pretty holy moment? Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's not a lot that's universal about Advent, even though it's a universal church, like capital C Church, mm-hmm. global church. Um, part of the liturgical calendar, there's a lot of different ways to get specific about it and mm-hmm. recognize it and make it part of our lives. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, when I was doing my research, I learned that all sorts of cultures and all sorts of time periods, we've thought of this week as the week on love and peace and joy, but there's never been sort of a, this is what we are focusing on. So in many ways, it's kind of cool because well, like I, I tell people whenever they first start thinking about Advent and they think about this, like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do one more thing during the holidays. Why are you giving me another assignment? <laughs> is that Advent is a gift and it's not a requirement. And so mm. when you when you posture it as a gift to mark your time, then the the cool thing about it is that you can do lots of things with it. You can you can recognize it in your home the way it works best for you. So for me personally, when I thought about sort of the themes, um, the reason I called my book Shadow and Light is because historically there has been this move, uh, mental movement in Advent from darkness to light, mm-hmm. kind of from sitting mm-hmm. in the dark, moving toward light. And it's not, yes, it's about the historic birth of Jesus Christ that we remember, but there's also an already not yet posture about Advent where we recognize mm-hmm a thing that actually, you know, happened in time, but then also how we're sitting in the messy middle of like, yes, but the world isn't as it should be still. And Mm. so we recognize in ourselves and around the world, 
that we're still sitting in the darkness and yet we can walk towards hope. And so for me, there was a lot of that um, idea of starting in the dark, recognizing instead of pretending the way we sometimes are tempted to do during the holidays to just shove down the hard stuff, um, actually sitting in it, like recognizing it and participating in it, asking the hard questions. You know, the, the book focuses on, um, the ancient book of Psalms, you know, which has Mm. been the church's hymn book since, you know, I mean, the, the, uh, time before Christ. And I wanted to do that particularly because there's a lot of Psalms that are just talking about life is hard, man. Things (laughs) do not make sense, you know? And so to, to sit in that and then to slowly move toward hope is also a Mm. reminder of, I can sit there and I don't have to stay there because I do recognize that, this isn't all there is. And so for me, Mm. that's sort of what it is instead of like a definitive, okay, this is the pink candle. So we're now going to focus on joy, even (laughs) though that's true to some degree. Um, That just doesn't always feel true in our day to day. Well, and, and really, even as you think about Advent, and I want to, I want to talk about some of your own spiritual journey in this too. The idea of Advent is almost like from my journey so far, personally, it's almost like an invitation. It's an invitation to kind of be in a different space for a little while. Um, and not not to pretend like everything else is over or it, it or your struggles are suddenly gone, but it, it's almost like a different framework uh, with which we can navigate those things, even just for a little while. It's almost like a... A little bit of a a pause uh, to breathe again, um, some different air, and 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 you know, for me, that even as I have ebbed and flowed through all sorts of spiritual spaces over the last several years, um, Advent has sort of always stayed, you know, as a centerpiece for us, and it takes different forms each year. I like uh, this year, I have no idea what it's going to look like. It's going to be interesting to see, kind of even how we are all processing Advent. Um, as it comes this year, but for you, like you have also been on a really interesting journey um, over the past several years. And I'm, I'm, I would love just to hear a little bit of maybe some of the catalytic or hinge moments for that. And um, mm-hmm. what has um, sort of spurred on as a, as, as an individual, as a family, as a couple, you know, where you guys have been over the last few years. Yeah. You know, um, this is something my husband, Kyle, and I like to think about frequently because it has been such a journey. Like we, we frequently joke that if our 16 year old youth group selves were to meet us today, we'd probably be put on a prayer list. Like they they would put ourselves on a prayer list and be very concerned. Um, (laughs) and so we like to reminisce a lot. Um, so, you know, I won't go into the really long story, but the backstory is Kyle and I met overseas. We were working independently for Christian nonprofits and we loved the work we did. And we both um, loved that the other person was independently interested in the same thing. I mean, among many other reasons um, why we married. But then a few years after our oldest was born, we moved back overseas Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was interesting how that experience of living in a predominantly Muslim country, uh, Turkey, mm-hmm. that, and when I first got there, it wasn't long before I became pregnant with number two. And then soon after that was diagnosed with severe clinical depression. And we ended mm. up going to Southeast Asia for several months to work with a therapist in Thailand and, um, <clears throat> figure out a game plan and whether we even wanted to live overseas anymore and, and all that good stuff. That's a whole other story, but all that to mm. say, everything that seem to just fit in neat little boxes, no longer fit in neat little boxes. And I know that's probably like the summary of many people's stories, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, And so our time overseas helped us understand, no, I say understand, helped us see, it almost like took the blinders off of what was American Christianity and what was Mm -hmm. actually true. I think we realized how a few things were actually black and white and how most Mm -hmm. things were gray. And that's now a gift. That's a very good thing to us now. But at the time that felt really scary. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When everything you just assumed was black and white becomes less so. And so when we moved back to the States, we did so because of um, the health of one of our kids. And, um, and so this world we thought we just, or this life we thought we would live 
stopped being a possibility for the foreseeable future. Mm. And so we, we made a plan B, we, we figured out new line of work. And all this time I started writing online and that took off and it was totally unexpected and became, you know, eventually our family's kind of main source of income and, and, and work. But at the time we just weren't sure what's up all this time. We were kind of just going through the motions of, well, Christians go to church. We are Christians. We're just going to do this. We've got little kids. We, we like the thought of, you know, doing that, but we yeah. never, it never scratched the itch and we never felt quite at home. It always felt a bit mm. like, what are we doing here? We don't know. This is very strange to us. Um, having been overseas and, um, and kind of discarding a lot of, of the extras that we didn't really want anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, but back in our minds, back when we were preparing to go to Turkey, at one point it, when we were doing some training in Colorado, we visited an Anglican church and mm. we had never been to anything like that. Kyle grew up Southern Baptist. I grew up non-denominational, you know, yeah. which is kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. And we were both surprised how much we liked it. We were like, that was weird, but also really cool. <laughs> that was weird because they're all like saying the same things and they're, you know, but we actually really liked it. So we, I just kind of tucked that away in my, you know, subconscious. And then many years later, when we were back in this, like, and anything's on the table, you know, we, we don't really, yeah. you know, when we moved back to Austin, we started going to a liturgical church. And that to me is what really opened my eyes to the idea of, participating in a faith that has been around for a couple thousand years, maybe even longer than that, when you consider its connection to Judaism and Mm -hmm. that I don't have to make stuff up anymore. I can, the few things that I feel like I, I can say, I know definitively are the things that have been said for centuries and centuries. And I can agree with that. And the rest of it, I can, I can be okay with questioning and just Mm -hmm. sit in that. And so I say all this to say the liturgical calendar helped me. um, It it kind of provided a a place for me to hang those few things that I felt were black and white. And it gave me some structure to recognize the rhythms in my life that I felt like were given by God to, um, to mark those things and to recognize those things. So, you know, when you go to a liturgical church, you say the same things again and again, and they tend to be the things that have been written a long time ago by dead people. Um, But the fact that they're still being said says something about their longevity and the fact that they might still be true. And so I can look at, you know, the Nicene Creed and say, I don't know much else of what I believe. I don't know much else of what I think to be true, but I'm pretty sure that's true. So I'm going to say it to remind my body, to remind my mind, to remind who I am. And that to me is what Advent is. It's one of these Mm. things of like, when the world is crazy and feels dark, I feel like there's something to be said about this ancient practice that's a gift and not a requirement that I can remind myself bodily, my family, my emotions, my sensory input, um, that what's around me is not all there is and that people have been recognizing this for centuries and I'm joining them and it's not about me. So it's interesting as you're telling this story, which I'm sure is the story of lots of others. One of the things, one of the things that, you know, we have felt, and I know so many others have felt is this reality of, uh, of, of being religiously homeless. Um, you know, and even over the last few years, I think you're seeing a rise of people that feel politically homeless and we you don't quite know what to do. And I, when I was younger as a preacher's kid, you, there was a lot of like anger at the church, not, not necessarily for me. Like I I went through those parts of like walking away. of I hate this or I'm, I, I don't like these people or whatever it is. But sure. as a grown man now, you know, with a family, like we're trying to figure out and navigate these things. And so it's not like I don't. I don't have time to hate anything. What I'm trying to figure out is what do I do with these things and, and where do I categorize them and, and do they need to be categorized? And, you know, how do I, how do I develop that out for us so that we, even if we stay politically or are religiously homeless, mm-hmm. um, even for, you know, the foreseeable future, we at least have a place where we can kind of find our footing 
again. And, you know, back to Advent, that's why that's such a fascinating thing for me um, in this is like your journey and my journey, even though we may not end up in the same places, there's this like commonality when we come together for a moment like Advent where um, we we find a home there together, even if, you know, and, and it's just like our real life homes. All of our houses look a little different. You know, they're not arranged the same way. We don't hang the same stuff on the walls necessarily. Mm-hmm. We don't cook with the same utensils all the time or ingredients, but here we are in this house and it's a place that we can call home. Yeah. And um, so I think that that's so important. I Before we, we go back to Advent, I am curious, as you guys have navigated a, a pretty significant spiritual journey, it's not over yet. Um, I, and, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, it'll never be over because we're always exploring and re-exploring. And I, we talk about on the podcast a lot about it's the difference between having better vision and finding new eyes. And this idea of, you know, it, it's not just about seeing it with improvement, but it's about seeing things differently. Uh-huh. And, you know, so anyway, so that's, that's always something, but I'm curious, just if you have advice for people who are, who find themselves in this kind of homeless moment spiritually. Um, and, and, and they're kind of even wrestling with, um, emotions like anger or sadness or grief, or, uh, maybe some bitterness at where they've been and maybe the hurt they've felt, or, um, you know, like one of the things that you said, the difference between actual Christianity and American Christianity and, and what do you do with all these gray areas that we, we don't quite know how to categorize, um, and and all of that might cause them to look at a moment like Advent, um, not with the same fondness um, or yeah. expectation that they might have before. What do you have thoughts for folks like like that that are kind of wrestling their way through, waiting there through all of that? Mm-hmm. I think f- what's been really insightful for me, and I've alluded to this a tiny bit, but to get really granular, I encourage people first of all to. Um, to recognize that how they feel is very valid and real mm-hmm. and true and to not, it, it, we're so ingrained in our culture to not feel things that it's easy for us to um, numb the pain. You know, some choose alcohol and some choose Netflix, but some choose a, a, a religious ideology. You know, mm-hmm. some choose this uh, pretty bow theology to just sort of Jesusify everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it feels really uncomfortable to sit with discomfort and sit with pain that when you first sense those, it's we're, we're tempted to run away, but instead actually sit there. For me, art has always been really helpful to um, mm. to. I don't want to say explain my feelings, but help me feel not alone. And so good music and good art. And then I would say with that, like digging in even deeper old stuff. So, and I'm not talking old, <laughs> like American old, like 19th century fundamentalism old. I'm talking like third, fourth century desert yeah. mothers and fathers old mm-hmm. read read and look at art that's really, really old. And the reason I say that is because it helps you recognize how human you are and that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I think there's something really sacred and important about the communion of saints, this idea of remembering, Mm. even when the world around us all says two plus two is five and you're saying, but I don't think it is. And so you feel you can look back centuries and recognize how many of the questions we wrestle with are universal. You know, I, yeah. I'm also a high school English teacher. And so I um, did uh, St. Augustine's confessions with them a few months ago, which was a whole interesting thing doing with 16, 17 year olds. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one of the things I was struck with rereading that was just like how so many of his questions and and dealings with the Roman Empire are the exact same things we are dealing with mm-hmm. in 2020 America. And so just to, I don't know, consider even if it feels hard or heady, you know, there's a lot of good translations out there. Try some really, really old stuff and see what you think in terms of what's what are maybe the essentials, because I think a lot of those pre, you know, Protestant Reformation, pre-Enlightenment, pre-even you know, the Renaissance had, had some really wise, smart, articulate things to say to us. Yeah. Well, 
And so back to the book then with with mm. that. So you have set up this particular book and I'm going to make sure I link it in, in the podcast so mm-hmm. people can grab it. So even if they get it, you know, after the first Sunday or oh, whatever, yeah. they can. It's Advent's easy to catch up on. Yeah. Um, but would you talk a little bit about kind of the format of the book, like mm-hmm. w- how you wrote it, why you wrote it that way? And and some of the peripheral things like the the Spotify playlists and whatnot that you're including just to kind of help people as a guide along the way. Yeah, I wanted, I mean, in essence, I wrote the book that I needed as a, as a Mm -hmm. person and I couldn't find it. So I decided I'm going to do this for my own family and for myself. Um, And the reason I say that is, you know, as you said at the top of our conversation, Advent is been explored and written about ad nauseum and there's Mm. so many resources out there for the holidays. It's not like we needed one more thing, except for me, all I could find were, things that were either so time consuming and so heady for a parent with younger kids and with something that didn't seem to recognize the reality of what the holiday season tends to be for a lot of us. Um, Or it was so light and fluffy and so hallmarky and so like, crafty and that's not a bad thing. I just, I'm not a crafty person that I, I just couldn't yeah, find I something. Yeah. yeah. That, that kind of sat in the middle, nor that recognized the actual kind of ancient historic advent calendar. A lot of things mm-hmm. are like December 21st, I mean, December 1st to December 24th. And I wanted something that could truly explore the, the advent calendar. Um, and so what I did was I created this thing that really um, leaned into ancient writing, which is why I chose the Psalms, because I wanted mm-hmm. something um, old and I wanted something short on purpose, yet meaty and um, with lots of sensory input. So that's why I included old art, well, old and new art, but some piece of art to look at every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Spotify playlist has one song per day, that kind of thing. Um, and the other reason I wrote it the way I did is because I wanted it to be ecumenical. So I wanted okay. it to be for anyone, you know, I wanted it to be for the cradle Catholic all the way to the agnostic questioner yeah. um, where they felt invited and they felt like they could participate because it is a gift for all of us. And so I wanted something that met a large amount of people. And I wanted something that could be both with, you know, the parents of toddlers all the way to someone on their own, something you could mm-hmm. do on your own or something you could just pick and choose like the two things that keep you sane before the kids lose it. Yeah. Um, so basically something really accessible. And I also wanted something open and go, meaning, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, especially relating to kids where you have this Advent thing and it it's a story that builds on itself. Like some people do something called a Jesse tree or some kind of little <laughs> yeah. story. And as soon as you get like three days behind, you're like, oh my gosh, we're never going to get through it. And you, we have 50 pages to read tonight. Everybody be quiet. Yeah. yeah it's like, guys, yeah. you're going to yeah. love this. It's two hours long, but you're going to enjoy it. And um, So I wanted something that if you had to skip a week, if you couldn't start for two weeks, if you needed three days off, you're going out of town, you could, and you just flip to the next page and you open and go and you, you just pick mm-hmm. up where you left off. Cause there's not like, it's not a thing you have to like do in order to feel like you did something. Right. Right. Use it how you see fit is what I wanted. So, yeah. Well, so to that end, I'm curious if, as we're heading toward, so this episode will run the Wednesday before the first Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. Um, would you indulge us a little bit about that first Sunday? and kind of uh, give us a sneak peek of what that's like. I, because uh, I, I, first of all, I think in a year like this where now, and we're in a unique space where you're exactly right that we miss community. We miss being with people. We miss um, sort of uh, the beauty of being together. And we miss kind of the quote unquote normalcy of heading into a quote unquote normal holiday season. Um, and, but this year is also different in that for most of us, especially those of us with kids, we've all been real close to each other for a lot of months. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's there's also some stress going into Advent this uh-huh. year in that, you know, we're st- we're trying to find new and unique moments to be together that we haven't already had over and over and over and over and over all year long. Yeah. Um, so as people are trying to figure out the posture, because really... You could put up the tree, you could put the lights up, you can start your Christmas shopping early, which I guess we're all going to have to do because of how FedEx and UPS are going to run. 
you can kind of sing all the songs and watch all the movies, but at some point that stuff runs out. It runs out of juice. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I would love if, if you're, if you're willing just to give us a little sneak peek of like the first Sunday of Advent and kind of um, how you will be even posturing yourself for that moment. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about Advent a lot this year, more than usual, just because of having written a book and done so much research. Makes sense. Um, But every year, and I guarantee you next year will be the same for me, Advent always sneaks up on me. Because, Mm. and, and I think especially for Americans, because we have Thanksgiving right before it, that sometimes like this year... Advent is literally the Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's not always the case, but regardless, it sneaks up on us. And so I don't think we're aware of suddenly, you know, when it's time. And so a lot of us, myself included, start Advent kind of haphazardly. Like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. like, let's, yeah, let's do something. Hope this is enough, kids, you know, or even for myself personally. (laughs) And so I leaned in, in Shadow and Light, I leaned into that because I recognize none of us are really ever prepared. And there's something kind of sweet about that because the word Advent, you know, means arrival. It's about preparing. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's something really lovely about the idea of, of starting Advent unprepared because that's the whole idea of it. Um, And so I, and our family, you know, my oldest is almost 16. My youngest is 10 and a half. And so we're kind of in that messy middle age where we've, we've got teens and, and stuff. So we're not in that baby stage anymore, but we still have the, the Lego and the the kid who's fidgety and the, all the things like we're, sure. we're right there. Sure. And so it's so true how we all have these expectations of like Advent will provide us with that deep reflective family bonding (laughs) uniqueness that we need after so many months of just survival mode or, you know, a way to make our, our holiday sweet. And that's true in a way, you know, I think Advent is a real gift, especially this year when we need something different in our home. Like Mm -hmm. if we can't go to the places we want to go to or, or enjoy the traditions we're so used to, enjoying, Hey, let's Mm -hmm. do something in the house as best we can. But I think it's also good. And I say this in a good way, not in a pessimistic way to keep expectations low because we're, we're all just in our yoga pants, just trying to, (laughs) to make, you know, things trying to keep the lights on in a way. And that's how we should approach Advent as real people. So our family, we do the the candle thing, you know, where you have, the five candles, the four for the weeks leading up to Christmas and then the Christmas one. Um, we roll the candles because we ha- we get these sheets of beeswax and we roll them. Mm-hmm. It's my one crafty thing that I provide. And it's like, <laughs> takes it takes 30 seconds. And it's funny, even at our kids age, they still get a They still fight over who does what candle. It's funny. Um, we put them in a log, like just a literal firewood log out there that Kyle's drilled holes in and we stick them in. And then the way we recognize it for our family is that first Sunday, um, we, we kind of dim the lights. We, we light the first candle and then we, we read through the Psalm that I've provided in shadow and light. And then we just talk about what are your expectations this holiday? Like, mm. and I want your honest expectations, kids. And so of course we've got the, the, the gamut of things because we've got some, Grinches and we've got some eager beavers who, who can't believe it's not already Christmas and everything in between. And we just talk about it and there's nothing right or wrong. There's no like right or wrong answer when we talk. Um, Then we listen to the song, the first song on the um, playlist. We might take a look at that work of art that I've linked to. And then that's it. And it's, Mm. that's it on purpose. I don't want this to become this like homework assignment that we eventually by like December 17th, I'll dread, you know, because it's like, Oh no, here we go again. I want it to like short is good because it gives us a, you know, a thing to look forward to without any pressure. And that's it. Like we, we just kind of enjoy it. And I also tell people like, you know, what I was saying earlier about how Advent is an invitation and a gift, and it's not like a requirement or one more thing to do. I am, we're also not purists, you know, I, Mm. Advent is a distinctive season from Christmas in the liturgical calendar and Christmas tide is technically 12 days long, you know, December 25th is the first day of Christmas. Um, And so we like to recognize that for our own, like just inward selves to mark time, but we're not sticklers, you know, we'll watch elf during Advent 
we're, we're fine with that, you know? Um, and so to me, it's just a really nice way to recognize that we are both building towards something, but we're also just humans in the, in the real world and it's okay. And honestly, I don't know what 2020's Advent is going to be like for us. Cause we've never done this before. Like everyone else in the world, <laughs> like what is, what is it like to do this in the middle of a global pandemic? Who knows? So that's yeah. where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'm, you know, for you, I mean, you've had an online persona for a long time now. Um, and so you have like online Tish um, and then you have sort of like at home in your sweats Tish. And, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things from from me, because like on like I, I've been known as like the blogger Instagrammer um, as well. So I understand like the curated world a bit, you know, and part of and that's part of the gig uh, for how this works at times. but. Um, do you feel like even for you, and I, and I know you have subscribers, followers who kind of look to you for that curated thing. Like that's why they follow your stuff. But I also think that even as you release, you've released this book on Advent, that it's, it's a really lovely way for you to kind of say, no, this is human tish. This is human tish kind of feeling my way along just like everybody else. Um, I mean, do you find that? Is it, is it hard to turn it off or do you feel like a book like this gives you that opportunity to kind of go, here's, here's, here's where I'm learning and growing myself. I mean, we could have a whole other podcast sometime about my, my very strong feelings about, um, platforms and about (laughs) online, (laughs) online personas and what I've come to learn about them and, um, how, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be diplomatic without swearing, but I have very strong feelings about this, this weird world we live in and have somehow um, created for ourselves in this sort of Frankenstein way. I, yes, in a, in a short answer is absolutely. I am a big fan of just being a normal person and not being mm. platformed. Um, I think there's a lot of good things that come from us getting to share with each other online, but I also think there's a lot of um, unintended consequences that happen when we try to become one way for the screen and another way in our real life. And I mean, there's a lot of inward and outward consequences. And so for me, um, I have not, I mean, if you ask probably my agent or, or book marketing people, they would probably think I'm doing not the best job with the things that I've been given because it's just not a priority for me. It is truly not how I want to contribute my greatest good. Um, Mm -hmm. That is not where my priorities lie. At the same time, I'm grateful that I can talk to like you right now or Zoom. I'm grateful that Twitter and Instagram allowed me to connect with people, but I do not like how it has created this beast of an idea that we should be people we're not so that other people will think of us as like gurus about a certain topic. So mm-hmm. yeah, like basically I feel like anytime someone follows me on Instagram, I'll say like, Hey, prepare to be disappointed because I am not, <laughs> <laughs> I am not the type of person who's investing. I mean, in fact, people know this. I'm only on Instagram once a week on purpose and I download the app and then take it off again every week because I just, it, I need to have those barriers in my life. So all this to say, yes, I think, Advent is a great time to just be a real regular person who's walking through life, just like we all are in 2020. I mean, how can we not be really? And so why pretend? Heading into Advent, um, you know, those four Sundays and then the Christmas season, which it is, it is still funny to me where we hit Christmas and people like take their Christmas tree down, like December 26th or January 1st or whatever the thing is. It's like, no, you're, we're, this is Christmas now. Now it's Christmas. Now it's Christmas. Um, Yep. And, uh, but for you and your family, I, as we headed to 2021, you know, still in the midst of a lot of uncertainty and, right. and I imagine that will continue for a while. Um, what is your hope? Like, what do you hope um, as you guys head into Advent and then out of Advent into a new year? Where, where are your eyes? Where's your, mm. where's your spirit angling? Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the book I wrote before Shadow and Light, um, At Home in the World, is about when our family backpacked around the world. And one of the takeaways for me as we, you know, the book ended with us settling in the small town I was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, I was exploring this Benedictine vow that I had not yet heard of until um, 
I started thinking about this idea of what it means to be at home and Mm -hmm. Benedictine monks are different than other, you know, orders of monks in one way. And it's that they take a particular vow called a vow of stability. And Mm -hmm. what this vow is, is they commit to staying put even when things get hard, even Mm -hmm. more, more, you know, especially in our world when things get boring Mm -hmm. and mundane. And for me, that was, huge because it made me realize that, you know, as much as we love to travel and explore and be all over the world and we have, um, it can turn into escapism really easily. And so can just our day-to-day lives, even if we're not literally traveling, even if we're stuck at home because of a pandemic, even if, you know, everything's normal, we still have ways to escape. Um, You know, whether it's Netflix or whether it's Twitter and Instagram or some other form, we, we Mm -hmm. tend to escape and and want to um, drown out the feelings of either, you know, I mean, at worst pain, but at best just monotony. And so my, my hope for our family and really for, you know, our global community is that we learn how to settle into the messy middle of life Mm -hmm. because that's most of what life is. Life is 99% ordinary. And when, you know, and I think especially after a year like 2020, especially honestly, the previous four to five years in the U.S., um, we're chronically stressed and we almost don't even recognize it. We don't remember what it's like to not be chronically stressed. And so I would love for us to re-remember what it's like to just enjoy our backyards, our neighbors, our errand running lives, our Mm -hmm you know, just getting dinner on the table, showing up to work, doing what we need to work on and then closing up shop for the day and waking up and doing it again. Cause it's not going away. That's just how life yeah. works. And so I want to lean into that. You know, I started this podcast, um, out of a, a response to a lot of the questions that I get from people that I know and I don't know, um, online and offline about sort of my own spiritual journey and, and, um, a political journey and philosophical journey and whatever family journey. And, um, the, the night, the night that I came up with the name of it, I was sort of sitting in my living room. All the kids were in bed. I think Jordana had even gone to bed and like, I was just like wrestling with this concept. And, and in my mind, the question was like, um, <laughs> well, somebody had asked me, I was like, what do you want? what do you want? Like, what are you after the most? And I'm sitting in the living room and, um, it's pitch black outside. There's no sound in the house. And I was like, I want to know how to have better sex. Like, I want to know how to create better communities and like, how do we do that? And I, and I, that's what I want That's but I don't. So my mission for this podcast was to go and have conversations with other people who have like found some rhythm in a particular area that I think add light to people's lives. And so the final question, every podcast is how do we have better sex? And um, so that's my question for you, even for you, as you're in the midst of your own journey. um, And um, yeah, you've written this book on Advent, but that doesn't mean that everything's figured out, uh, which I think is, is beautiful. Um, so that's my question. How do we have better sex and how, how are you pursuing that right now? A few days ago, my husband, um, decided like I was heading to bed and he said, Hey, do you mind if I go and and hang out with Evan? And I said, not at all. Evan is our next door neighbor. Evan is, he works at a farm, but he is getting his PhD in philosophy And he's got a really interesting backstory. He's got all sorts of fascinating (laughs) hobbies and um, loves music and all these things. He's really fun to talk to. Sounds like a a good time. Yeah. We have a stone wall that an old stone wall that separates our properties and he will just, will put things on it for each other. Um, Mm. Because, you know, like if he's at the farm and there's a surplus of a crop, he'll put it on the wall for us to plant in our garden. Or Mm. if, if there's a book that we think he'll like, we put it on there. So it's been a really fun experience. He's not a Christian and which is perfectly fine. And Kyle 
you know, the next morning I asked, how was it? And he said, it was so much fun. They stayed up till 2 a.m. sipping bourbon on the front porch and talked about music, talked about politics because, you know, it's 2020 and talked about just <laughs> all sorts of things, philosophy and, and just really cool things. Mm. And, and my husband's not super heady either. He's a woodworker. He's, you know, he likes working with his hands and, and traveling and just, you know, um, and I share the story simply to say, I think that's the answer. And the answer is to um, listen to our neighbors. And I don't mean, yes, listen to our neighbors on Twitter, read good articles, talk to each other. Don't bury your heads in the sand. But I would I say get more granular and actually listen to the people that you literally live next to, like mm. your literal neighbors. Um and actually get to know them. And, you know, that's not to say everybody is going to be that way, but yeah, meaning every single neighbor. But I think there's something um, apropos about how global our world is and yet how much we still just long for a regular community um, mm, yeah. with each other. And I think, you know, 2020, moving into 2021 with more uncertainty is the is all the best time for that. And, you know, as we go into the holidays, when we're not maybe going all over the place, not visiting grandparents across the country or not, you know, filling up our calendars with event after event, consider maybe, you know, knocking on the door of a few neighbors and seeing Mm. if they just want to sit around outside around the fire pit with some drinks and just talk with no agenda. Like, no, we're here to talk about a certain thing. Not at all. Just shoot the breeze. Get to know people as humans. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the answer, really. Mm. Yeah, That's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) Accept it. Accept it. We'll accept that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Tish, thank you for today. Thank you for this book. It's a gift. And um, I think it's so crucial um, to have voices like yours um, speaking into spaces like this. So I'm very grateful for your time and your wisdom here. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun chatting with you. Yeah. Until next time. Oh, and next time, let's have that chat about being platforms. (laughs) Yes. That's a good conversation to have. You'll get me talking a lot. Hmm. Uh, To be continued. (laughs) That's right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Better Sex. If you liked or were challenged by what you heard, you can subscribe to the Sex Therapy List on my website, bettersex.com. B-E-T-T-E-R-S-E-C-T-S dot com. You can follow us on all social platforms on the handle. And please like and share this episode with anyone you think would appreciate the conversation. Once again, I'm your host, Matthew Chambers. We'll see you next time for another episode of Better Sex. Better Sex.